0: Guys, Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. All right, this week we've got Chris Morocco and Carla Lolly Music on, We're talking about holiday mains, those centerpiece dishes you set out at a, uh, you know, like an open house party, a Christmas dinner, maybe even a New Year's dinner. Uh, Chris developed a bunch of them. our December issue, uh, which you can also find online at bonappetit.com. Plus, we got a web-only recipe for pork roast uh, that we'll be talking about, too. All right, let's do this. Chris Morocco, your, your second straight week on the Bon Appetit Foodcast.
1: I know. It's, it's been a big December for me. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you missed it last week,
0: Chris was talking about holiday cookies. And this week, he's on talking about holiday main courses with Carla lolly Music. Hello. Carla, you're just a regular. You're on all the time.
2: I love being here. I just wait for the rest of you guys to show up. I just like to be in this room. (laughs) Just hang out
1: here.
0: There is a a sofa in our studio. just sort of (laughs) crashed over there. Carla, come on, let's go. She wakes up. Um, All right, so we're talking about holiday sort of mains, like main roasts and stuff. And I think there's a couple of different scenarios in my mind, like when you bring out the nice glistening ham or the roast beef and whatnot, and like... You kind of have like that all-day open house sort of thing. You have like the Christmas dinner. I would also put New Year's Eve dinner in a separate category. Mm. Mm. That's kind of a zhuzhier sort of thing personally.
2: Yeah, and then a lot of people entertain on New Year's Day too. Oh, yes. Which is like – a a really nice other opportunity to have an open house laid back.
0: Yeah, I love that sort of like come. We were just talking to Brad Leone the other day uh, from the B.A. Test Kitchen, and Brad was saying, I forget what he was going to make. He was going to make, did we talk to him about it? No. He was going to, basically all the Italian relatives coming over anytime in Jersey between the hours of like (laughs) 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Great. uh, Mm. And like 60 different people throughout the day. I'm like, that's a lot of work. Uh, But so, Chris, you have a story in the December issue, Mains of the Day. Who came up with that headline? Uh, I actually did. Oh, pretty wow. good. This is one of those
1: rare moments where like the, the recipe idea you pitch, you know, like the story idea you pitch in a meeting kind of makes it all the way through to the, the end zone, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, so it's like it's you, you
0: pitch the headline, then you're like, oh, Shit, I have to do the story I'm now. Do story. Like, okay, I figure out what that story <laughs> <It> is. is. <laughs> but all right, so the opening, the the cover, sort of star of uh, of the story is slow roast beef. Can we talk about this as as something that's sort of set out for that sort of all day open house sort of hang?
1: Yeah, you know, my my way in was just the feeling of you know with. Uh, Entertaining around the holidays, you know, unlike Thanksgiving, which is its own specific kind of like confluence of people and food, but all kind of driving towards this one moment where everybody's just going to kind of magically like take their seats and you're going to eat this meal all together kind of at the same time, you know, around other holidays, I feel like the all all day kind of entertaining thing kinda comes into play. You kinda need food that can kinda hang out and it doesn't still have be to be super piping delicious. hot or
0: perfectly plated for everybody. Not
1: at all. And so part of, you know, doing this slow roast beef was just the idea that in order to get a beef roast on the table and have it be as compelling two hours after it hits the table as it was like when it was still kinda warm from the oven or whatever, is that it has to have all its juices. It has to have all the flavor, you know, you kind of want in there and still be super delicious. So, you know, having it be delicious, you know, after that two hour, um, you know, after I hit the two hour mark on the, on your table is that you have to kind of be super gentle with the cooking process. So that means we, instead of searing it and then putting it into the oven, um, we are actually going to roast it. Wait, what is it? First of all, because anytime people
0: say roast beef, I'm like, "What does that mean? Is this like a shoulder? Is it a rib? Is like where are we on the cow right now?" It can mean it can
1: mean so many different things. And
0: but what does it mean to you, Chris Morocco? To me,
1: it means a strip loin roast or a strip roast. So basically, that is a New York strip. But so when you go to like a fancy
0: steakhouse and you get, but so this is like the whole strip before they slice it into steaks.
1: Exactly. You know, and we've you know we've certainly done ribeye roasts in the past, and there are other you know there's like eye of round roasts and tenderloin roasts. Um, but the New York strip roast is a phenomenal roast because it's nice and compact and it's well marbled. It doesn't take forever to cook and it doesn't take forever to rest. Um, It's
2: also unlike, sorry to jump in, but unlike a prime, prime rib of beef, which is also very traditional around the holidays, it, those are exorbitantly expensive expensive and, and additionally they're delicious, but they have. A ton of interior, not well marbled fat, but like fat pockets. And yeah, in the exactly. strip loin, you've got a, a, a good amount of fat, also really great beefiness. You've got bones if you want them, but it, it doesn't have that.
0: I think that's an ACDC song. <laughs> got got, got bones. bones if you want them. <laughs> um,
2: um, but that's the strip loin's just got that like yeah, well, great it's, it's beefy flavor. I could talk
0: about beef for a while, but if you look mm-hmm. at a, a ribeye, which is. The ribeye is the steak version of the prime rib, which is the whole cut of meat before you slice it. But it's it's various muscles and interconnected little pockets of fat that are kind of wobbly and goo. And whereas the strip point is just like it's kind of one just it's cohesive one muscle, muscle that you can slide through. Um, it's marbled but not as richly fatty as a prime rib. Um, it's, I, yeah, it's easier to deal with and it's there's a sort of consistency to it. That you don't get in a prime rib, where a lot of times a prime rib, like the outside will get medium, but the mm-hmm. inside could still be medium rare, and some fat renders and some fat doesn't. Yep. And, and this and is just an easier one to deal with. And you call for a four pound one. Exactly.
1: Yeah. A four pound um, strip loin roast can feed a lot of people, especially if you're going to put it on Parker House rolls, kitted out mm. with some, you know, kind of other elements, you know, like. like-
0: Horseradish cream horseradish sauce. Cream sauce. What goes into that? It's just like prepared horseradish and sour cream, essentially.
1: Yeah, I put a little yogurt in there. You ah. know, I can't help myself just mm. to keep it kind of like lighter and in that tangy kind of realm, yeah. but you know, not just pure you know sour cream. Nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, so this goes into the oven um, at a mere 200 degrees. Seasoned aggressively first? Seasoned aggressively. Salt and pepper? Yeah, you can go up to two days. um, Salt and pepper and actually rosemary. Like, we make a real kind of um, sticky paste of garlic, rosemary, and salt and pepper, and olive oil um, that goes on there. And um, And you say
0: loosely cover with plastic wrap and chill at least 12 hours and up to two days. And the longer you chill chill it, the more the sort of the, the, the meat absorbs the seasoning.
1: Completely. And and it's important for that seasoning to kind of be on there. And it's nice if it even tr- just the very surface of the beef, you know, kind of dries. Because after that roasting process, um, where you're taking it to kind of around like 120 degrees, you're going to rest that meat and then sear it. And when you sear- All right. All
0: right so hold on a second. Okay. Because you're saying, so you've got this four pound cut of meat and you're Mm -hmm. roasting it at just 200 degrees? Mm -hmm. Just
1: 200 degrees on a rack. So air can kind of circulate around
0: it. Because the thing
1: is this. I, one of my pet peeves in you know kind of recipes and with cooking is you know it's not all about that high heat you know razzle dazzle flames shooting everywhere <laughs> like in the you movies. know sparks flying <laughs> yeah. like in the movies movies that I've probably watched and liked you know but still like when when you when it comes down to reality when you draw out the cooking process you are creating like less violence, if you Mm -hmm. will, inside that meat. Mm -hmm. You are forcing less water to the center of that piece of meat and, you know, kind of concentrating all those juices that then you need lots of time to redistribute. And the difference is this. So if you do, if you kind of cook, you know, a roast at a very high temperature, let's say you even nail the internal temp, pull it at 118 you rest it for too short a time, or even if you rest it an adequate amount of time, you still, you're gonna get some pooling juices, you're gonna lose moisture from that cut of meat, And will it be delicious, you know, five minutes after you slice it? Sure. But is it going to be delicious two hours later when all the juices have kind of run out of the meat? Probably Probably not.
2: not. It's also the evenness of the cooking and you don't get that kind of band of well well cooked on the outside. And then maybe blood red at the dead center where, you know, at 200 degrees it takes some time. But it's eventually going to get up to that temperature without all of the kind of contracting of the proteins and the the gray, the the dreaded gray Mm. gray. Band. band and then you've afforded yourself this a little bit of insurance where you can get browning on the outside without having to go as long. So right.
0: you, Yeah, so you're calling for about two and a half hours at 200 degrees, which will get you about 120 interior with the instant read thermometer, and then let it rest for a full hour. Yes. To really just ab- reabsorb all those juices, and that gets you to 125 130, which is rare. Yeah, like <laughs> rare to medium, medium rare. rare. 135 yeah. is probably medium rare, mm-hmm. right? You know, so if you, it, obviously, if you like your meat more medium rare, you can you know, take it out at 125 and it'll get to 135. Obviously, mm-hmm. sure. that's up to you to ha- how you like it. So then you let it rest and then you sear it in a pan with some oil? And
1: then you sear it. So the danger of not resting it and going right to the sear is that it's just gonna continue to build heat inside that, um, inside that roast. So when you rest it and then sear it, right at that point, the cooking process is done. You're only just barely kind of heating the outer surface of the meat. But what you get, and this is what I was starting to say before is, you know, all those flavors that you you know put on twelve to two two days bef- twelve hours to two days before, um, you get incredible flavor development. You know that rosemary hits the hot oil in the skillet, and all that garlic kind of caramelizes and gets kind of like nice and kind of sharp, and that exterior you know kind of crust on the meat is gonna flavor all of those slices, you know, it's so flavorful that, you know, yes, you have kind of wall-to-wall kind of like beautiful pink, you know, medium rare meat inside, but you are getting so much flavor from all those aromatics, like Mm. the rosemary and the
2: garlic
0: and, you know, the pepper Pretty aggressively seasoned. This was really good. I'm going to get like a meat sandwich for lunch today. Carl. let me ask you a question. So you, you bring this beautiful slow roast strip loin out to the, the party table on some a burnished cutting board with a little moat to collect the juices. Yep,
2: yep, don't have one of those. But. Well, you should get <laughs> one. Yep.
0: Do you trust your guests to slice the roast itself?
2: I think people want you to slice the roast. But not all day. You don't no. want to slice the
0: whole thing, though, right? Because, like, if Chris's point is, people no. are kind of coming and going because then it'll dry out. Like, yeah, you, maybe was, you get it started. I was
2: at a Christmas party this weekend where the hostess, very, Julia Kramer, in fact, very mm. gracious. You know where I was? I was at home because my <laughs> wife was in bed sick after my son oh. was in bed sick all mm. week. I didn't go, oh, I didn't so go to any, sorry. I've gotten to no
0: holiday events because uh, I'm a sick household and I'm being a Bratty little Brad about it. I'm not happy.
2: <laughs> well, the one good thing about not spending the weekend at holiday parties is that you probably didn't wake up feeling like a pickled egg on Monday That's morning, true. which is yeah. exactly. I was like, I literally am. I I need to have a liver flush. Anyway, I was at that. A party and there was there were some hams which we're gonna talk about. But graciously the hostess asked me, knowing that I knew my way around, a carving knife said, Could you just get these started? Uh, because she wanted people to feel like they could approach and she had a whole
0: you but know. It's also nice like, but you know setup. where to start and then people know then sure. you can follow like, oh it's it's slice exactly. it this thin, slice against the grain. And so I
2: did, you know, about twenty five slices and that was enough to kind of encourage people to feel like they could go in. And then if I were if I were a hostess like What I do usually is I have friends who also know their way around a cutting board and and people like to sort of be put in charge of something. So yes. I don't trust everyone, but I definitely trust some people. And I would say, hey, do me a solid, like, keep an eye on that thing and slice for me. It's like mm-hmm. having the grilling I, friend at a grilling party mm-hmm. who, like, wants to have your yeah. back.
0: I also say this there's also, like, that those of us who have, like, sometimes have party anxiety, having something to do sort of ease. Yes. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I don't have to just go up and talk to people. Exactly. I can be the person I'm at in the cutting board. put me
2: in charge of this thing. And then they can come
0: talk to me. <laughs> All right, so that's that's awesome, Chris. Recipe: slow roast beef in the December issue of Bon Appetit. You can find it online, also. Carlo, uh, what do you got?
2: Um, I would love to talk about a party ready pork roast. Ooh,
0: party ready!
2: Party ready. She's ready for a party. Yeah, You're, yeah. you're party ready this month. <laughs> she's party friendly. She's for your party. Um, we had some fun uh, figuring wait, out see, the wait, recipe name. The, the pickled
0: the pickled egg thing. You're typically not a big drinker. Have we have we ch- changed tack this on that? This
2: season has been just like wow.
0: You're going old school, Carla? I'm OG. Growing up in Brooklyn, 1980s? Yep,
2: and I'm like, you know, it's something about also the trend with the natural wines. You just think that like- It goes down
0: too easy. Yeah,
2: it's just like, oh, I'm just drinking juice over here. It's good for you. Totally fun. But last night, I met a friend at very classic holiday destination, Gramercy Tavern. They Mm. always do such a nice job with the- they had really pretty um, Christmas decorations up, and- when I'm in that mode, I'm like in whiskey sour mode.
0: Oh, nice. Delish Whoa. couple of whiskey sours, yeah. some duck yeah. liver
2: mousse. <laughs> Not bad sa- for o- a Monday <laughs> night. Whiskey sour has like the
0: sugar and the alcohol. All right. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. But we digress. So you're yes. doing the party ready roast pork, which means what? Party exactly? ready pork roast. I, pork I like all of that. I just yes. don't know what it means.
2: So this was a recipe that we engineered from the beginning to, to meet a whole, sometimes we discover we have these holes in the, in, in the recipe um, canon at Bon Appetit. And then we're Excited, so we really needed something that wasn't a pork shoulder and it wasn't a crown roast of pork. Again, like things that are pork shoulder is great, but but we've done a lot of those and it's kind of more of a in a goes toward like a shreddy pulled pork kind of a place. Mm. Crown roast of pork, really pain in the butt. It's expensive. It's very big. It is hard to cook. You kind of get.
0: It's where you take the whole rack of like eight ribs and you turn it in on itself so it forms yeah. a circle you and has like the little doilies t- on two it and, it's, and it's, it's you have to
2: lash them together there's um, a lot of outer surface area but then like a lot of inside that doesn't ever really see the light of day. So we what we didn't have was just a bone in pork loin roast that is easy to carve it's really easy to cook you can feed a crowd with it it's very easy to buy. You know, there's no there's no butcher's twine involved and blah blah. How
0: many bones are we talking? So in this what rack? we
2: ended up doing is instead of having one like six or seven bone pork, yeah. which would be like uh, the normal anatomically yeah. correct amount <laughs> of bones. That's, that's what that's all the um, pig has to offer. Is and we did this with a different uh, rib recipe a couple years ago. Um, we cut that in half, so you have two three bone lengths. And what that does is it just increases the outer surface area. For and crunchy bits. For crunchy bits, but also we really, we wanted to do a dry a dry rub on this because pork, you know, even though it's pork and people think it's fatty, the loin is actually can be fairly lean. That so, eye,
0: the middle of it yeah, is, it's is very just lean. muscle. Yeah, There's very Yeah, uh, maybe you have it on the outside, but the inside.
2: Yeah, so you want to get um, ideally uh, pork, Roast that hasn't been frenched and it hasn't been trimmed, so that you've got the surrounding amount of bones and also the, a nice amount of fat cap. So don't let the butcher take off too much fat. Fat is flavor.
0: Can we've talked about this before in the pod? But just like good pork is so worth it these days to invest in some good, if you can find like the Berkshire heritage breed pork and it's just like so rich and like that beautiful milky white fat cap and it has as much flavor as a ribeye now. It's like it. whatever the extra cost is, it's a 100% worth it.
2: And it might involve going up to the butcher counter. We really wanted to see what happened if we just went out to the store. So Molly Boz who um, developed this recipe went, walked herself over to the Whole Foods in our neighborhood and was like, this is what I want and what she learned was like when you go up to the butcher counter at Whole Foods Everyone who's there helping you can help you, but there might be only one or two guys who are actually um, cutting meat, right? So, but she asked for what she, exactly what she wanted. She knew what to ask for. You will know what to ask for because you'll have your your printout of the recipe with you, and um, they'll fabricate it for you. And it's the other advantage to doing two three bone sections is that the dry rub um, gets into the middle. easier, like just think about having like this long tunnel shaped thing. To get from the end to the middle is like not—it's not, not going to happen.
0: I feel like I feel like we don't have any larding needles in our life that Like so, back in the day, like I feel know, like in the 1900s when we all had like like handlebar mustaches <laughs> or or uh, what, what are the what are the lamb chop chop sideburns uh, mutton called? Chops. Mutton chops oh, yeah. and stuff, and like we'd be larding our meat with yeah. more fat and they like s-
2: eating mutton chops with oh, our right. mutton yeah, chop The
0: juice getting in our mutton chops. Well,
2: so Ye- that's funny that you mention it because in the recipe Molly calls for a long skewer to like poke into the meat because you need you actually want to create some holes for this spice rub to get in there i'm literally
0: emailing myself right now larding needles for christmas
2: (laughs) and i think chris and i have talked um we need to do a podcast about solely about chopsticks Chopsticks. and like alt uses for chopsticks but this would be a great place for like just to take out you know your ordinary chinese takeout chopstick just Get it in there. Don't be afraid to poke holes. It's not going to make all the juices run out. It's just going to help the spices. And you're not even going to notice. So, what, on, what is this on spice the spice rub? End. The spice rub is peppercorn, fennel, salt, pepper, and then um, it gets some chili flake and ground cinnamon, which Ooh. is Molly's Do you secret favorite is this, thing. Is this for like for a putting on pork. spice
0: mill thing or a mortar and pestle sort of thing?
2: Or uh, I think you have to mortar.
0: Like the peppercorns and the fennel. Yeah, the and stuff?
2: peppercorn and the fennel seed, and then you just, yeah, smash those that around. Out. You could use a spice mill or a mortar and pestle. But if you really needed to, just put them on a cutting board and use the bottom of a heavy pan to just kind of smack them down and, and coarsely crush. So, okay, so you have your two your three bone sections, two of those. You poke some holes in there. You got your spice rub. You put that all over it. You let it chill for eight hours or maybe longer. And then what I really like just about- Just in
0: the fridge, uncovered.
2: In the fridge, yeah, wrapped up yeah. just like Chris's. Right. okay. And then, again, you're, you're roasting at 275, which Ooh. is pretty low, yeah. and it goes for, you know, around an hour and a half, um, and a little bit longer. But in the pan, also, there's leeks, there's potatoes, Ooh, and there's olive oil. Tripping. So yeah. what I really like about this dish is at the end of it, you've got all the veg and the meat have, like, cooked together. You don't have, like Chris is describing, this Thanksgiving dinner we have got... A casserole dish yeah. of that and like stovetop for this. This is like all in one. That's why she's party ready, man. She party. is rt and <laughs> with, with the pork,
0: okay, we're doing pork. So what temperature are we removing it from the oven then?
2: We went to 120 on the initial cooking. Again, similar okay. to this, to and the beef. And then do we
0: turn up the heat?
2: Then you turn up the heat and you go up to 500 Ooh. and you, um, finish cooking it for 10 to 20 minutes, mm-hmm. until so it what temperature? Rests, but again, like as far as a do ahead thing, you can roast the pork and let it rest for three whole hours wow. and the vegetables are just sitting there. And then when it's closer to people coming over time, crank up the oven back up to 500, put everything back in goes for 20 minutes and then you rest it after that only it only needs to rest 15 minutes because again the interior isn't and what what temperature are you what
0: temperature do you want it at when you take it out of the oven 130 130 and that'll go up to 140 ish yeah
2: there's some carryover i can't remember where we ended up but it was you know it's not dry and gray inside that was sort of the key Mm -hmm. what
0: if what if i wanted to hit it with the broiler
2: you could. Okay. You might not need to, though, at 500.
0: <laughs> you always need to. 500, know, it never lot, gets as broiled and crispy as you as a broiler does.
2: It depends, maybe. Let's just say it maybe depends on how good of a fat cap you Almost, had. That's true. Because if but you, you have a good fat cap. But you know cap, also
0: what I like to do. We've talked about this with, like, your <laughs> fotisserie chicken and stuff yeah. where you have the the veg also yes. in our cast iron and roast chicken recipe i like to take the meat out and then put the veg under the broiler for Whoa. like a minute yes. to get 2. them 0. all sort of crispy and because they have so much mm-hmm. they're just luxuriating and all that fat and olive oil and stuff yeah just sort of zap them because like the meat's <laughs> on top of them like let them we, breathe let we them start so a little many
2: single subject podcasts that need to be done broiler hasn't yeah. we have not done a broiler no. only it's gonna happen. we haven't done chopstick only <laughs> and if i don't get back up on this thing for race 3.0 i'm gonna die. Rice is rice, happening. Rice, rice is Rice could happening.
0: definitely that, go another the, round. <laughs> Carla and Emil talking rice for the third round. It's like Rocky three. uh Rice Three is coming out in January. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Okay. I want to talk about um, a New Year's Eve. I did beef tenderloin, like classic filet mignon. Yep. And like, I am a hardcore steak guy. I love my crispy ribeyes and bone in and this and that, yada, yada, yada. But there's something about like filet mignon as like that classy sort of like, ooh, this is like a nice party. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though steak purists will kind of poo-poo it because there's no fat, there's no marbling, you really gotta help it out flavor-wise somewhat. Um, But the thing about filet mignon, or what's called beef tenderloin, um, could not be easier to make. When we have a recipe we did a few years ago, roast beef tenderloin with garlic and rosemary, we sort of kind of make a garlic, rosemary, salt and pepper paste, rub it over. What we did, which I thought was really interesting, What you just mentioned, Carla, is that you know a tenderloin can be sometimes. It depends on how many people you have, but it could be you know, twelve, fourteen inches long. Mm -hmm. You guys advise slicing it into two sections, so two eight-inch or whatever six-inch sections, and then to get the in this one we sear first in a in a large skillet to get a nice kind of brown going. Because
1: unlike, you know, the pork roast, you know, it's like, it's easy to sear. You can right. easily and quickly sear You're rolling sear it, it. You're yeah, there's no bones. You're rolling it around, you're... so it's really fast, yeah. you know. Yeah,
0: and you're, so you kind of getting it nice and brown, and then you put it in the oven at 250. Right. Uh, again, low, gentle heat, and you want to take it out at about 120 in the, in the middle and, that, and let it rest for 20 minutes or so. Um, and I remember I made that, again, could not have been easier to make you can do the same thing that you mentioned you can brown it off beforehand and then just put it in the oven as you're getting ready like you know 45 minutes before you eat put it in for 20 minutes let it rest 20 minutes you're good to go
2: no babysitting no basting no no no, none of that
0: and is it it literally is buttery tender yeah uh Mm. did that made some pureed potatoes had those warming on the stove and i had some spinach it was like the best dinner. It was like everything was like, oh my god, that's so good. Oh my god, that's so good. That's so good. And we sat down like at eleven p.m. because it was New Year's Eve, and we were all completely hammered by that point. So even the food better. was even that much better. And it was like, this is the best dinner party ever. <laughs> um, but again, like you know, it's like it's always when we make the most ambitious things for a dinner party that are dinner parties are the least successful.
2: I completely agree. Because
0: as a host, you're stressed out, and the guests are like, oh my god, this is so good, Adam. This is amazing. They feel like obliged to compliment you as opposed to like that. Thing where you're having a dinner party and no one's talking because everyone's eating and there's like (laughs) like that's the best compliment when no one says a thing
2: i also think that some the you know sort of tapping into like classics being classic for a reason and and leaning into that a little bit like that that's that's delicious food. Mashed potatoes, spinach, yeah. tenderloin. Like what do you what do you want? Yeah, I, you can
0: make a sauce. I think I might I'd have done some sort of red wine sauce where it reduced the wine and this and that and maybe I did the little horseradish thing, but I bet it, you again, had like
2: some kind of bracing salad that would have been Ooh, this was before you. i was before into bracing, bracing salads. <laughs> yeah this was
0: pre bon Adam. So i was just like i'm just doing buttery stuff and meaty stuff and lots of champagne and it worked no one complained but now yes i would have lots of bracing salads to complement the buttery mashed potatoes and buttery steak um so anyways yeah you can never go wrong with that and like beef tenderloin super easy to get you can go to costco and all those things and just get really the vacuum sealed ones and they're totally good um Chris, you also one thing you had in the story. You had a bunch of uh, featured dishes. Um, one thing I've never made before, but we've talked beef, we've talked pork, we've talked ham a lot on this podcast. Maybe we'll forego ham. But one of the dishes you had, which piqued my curiosity, Chris, was what is it called—a jerk duck? What? Like I think it was we called it uh, jerk spice duck. A yeah. whole duck. I've whole never duck. made a whole duck before because I'm intimidated by them. There's a ton of fat. Like I figure, if you over, if you cook the dark meat all the way through, then the red, the breast meat is yep. overcooked. And like, it, duck it, had, it eludes me. Duck has such a weird reputation
1: because it's like fancy. Yeah, you yeah. know, exactly. again, fancy. fancy in that 1970s sort <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah, and and what we found is, I mean. In, uh, you know, chicken prices, if you will, for like good heritage breed, you know, nice chickens, like yeah. have like gone way up. But ducks, I think, because people don't quite know what to do with duck, like they'll buy the pre confit legs.
0: Yeah. You will, a- you will order duck at a restaurant. But not a lot of people make duck at home, right? Yeah. Not
1: at all. And the thing that you see in restaurants, which t- to my mind is so completely boring, is just the you know the nicely seared breast, yep. with all the you know the kind Cross of fat hatched. cap and crosshatch, yep. Served, served and, medium rare, and it's big whoop. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> wow, big friggin'
0: whoop. All right,
1: no, seriously, because it's just not that interesting. There's a whole bunch of chefs I, who
0: made their hay in the 1990s that are not happy. <laughs> no, with No, I know, right now, Chris. I, I understand that. That's fine. That I, but,
2: big whoop was yeah. like the most insulting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> insult I've but, ever I mean, heard.
2: Adam,
0: I mean, you know,
1: you you might still go into a restaurant and order a steak, you know? I, I feel like I'm sort of like post-steak at this point in my life. Maybe I'll come back I will around. Order,
0: I only order steak if I know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be amazing because be I'm legit. sure you can cook yes. a mean steak. I can say that unequivocally. You know, yeah, it all starts with buying a good steak.
1: Yeah, right. exactly. And so with duck... I, you know, my my way in, I think it was something I'd seen Sam Sifton talking about maybe in like his little like kind of weekly blurb of what is going on in like the New York Times kind of hmm. world. And he was just talking about, you know, kind of like just sort of roasting kind of a whole duck or kind of doing something maybe in like kind of an enclosed environment. But anyway, it got my head spinning about... Oh, you know, a whole duck where you're not treating it all preciously and you're not like kind of do, doing kind of like perfectly seared breast and a brazy leg. You know, if you just put a whole duck, you know, maybe you score the the skin a little bit up, you know, so that it, the fat renders
2: a little bit more completely. Wait, before we get into this. Yeah.
0: Speaking of sourcing, is there a particular type of duck we're recommending buying because there's lots of different breeds and, and whatnot, and which probably ones
2: probably a Long Island
1: yeah like Long Island
2: which Long is also which as Pekin which is a Pekin duck Pekin. yeah, yeah, yeah which is different Pekin than with Pekin. Peking although this
0: right. this your finished preparation kind of goes into Peking territory yeah I mean, anyways it's,
1: it's, yeah so you know, just the the fact of treating a duck, you know, kind of roasting it whole and taking it past the point where that breast is, you know, medium rare, taking it past the point where it's medium, getting it all the way to where that meat wants to shred. All of a sudden, that duck is becomes something completely different.
0: And so, yeah. So, how long are we talking, and what temperature are we talking?
1: So this, um, so it's marinated overnight in um, kind of a jerk spice uh, marinade, which is a combination of allspice, garlic, um, rum. Soy sauce, rice vinegar, um, and so it soaks in that.
2: No Scotch bonnets, though.
1: No. Well, no. Actually, that's a good point. Sorry, thank you. Um, habanero chilies um, for sure. We're using sixteen, and this, yeah, this in and honestly, ducks. Have you so say much. sixteen. Chilies? I said sixteen <laughs> chilies. Um, wow. No, that is you know, a big whoop. You know what it is? Um, we're roasting two ducks. Number one. So let's just think of it as eight chilies per bird, right? And nope, they are crazy. so fatty. And you, you know, you you need so much flavor to get through that fat, to get into, you know, the actual meat of the bird, if you will. Um, we found, you know, we were using, oh, God, like two habanero chilies. You taste that marinade and your head kind of like blows off. But, you know, it needed more. So yep. we just gave it more. Um, I think
2: also, just as an aside, when you're serving food, not piping hot, like food at room temperature or cold, the flavors are muted. So that's another reason why like over seasoning, if you're planning to serve something kind of all day at room temp is going to work out for you.
1: Totally. Otherwise
2: it's bland.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, we initially you throw uh, the ducks uh, in a 450 oven. So you get really good um, kind of like, you know, rendering of the skin. Everything gets a head start in terms of browning. And then the oven drops to 250 and the ducks go um, for, you know, four to five hours.
2: And that's key, too, because like. This is it's sort of I mean, they're birds, right? So just think about turkey in the same way where the leg and the breast are not going to cook at the same rate. So trying to make them happen at the same time is just like a fool's errand. So you pushed it where you're basically confeing the leg yeah. in the oven and having the breast turn into just shreddy. Well, which which, yeah. which, Delicacy. which mm-hmm. gets
0: back to my favorite Carla Music recipe, the faux tisserie chicken, which we talk about mm-hmm. often, and you can find on bon com. F-A-U-X, dash tisserie. True. <laughs> but, you know, you take a three, three and a half pound bird, and you're roasting that for three hours right. at low heat till it's fall apart. And this is kind of similar. You're, you know, duck's about five and a half pounds, so you're going for four and a half or five right. hours. And I
2: think the advantage with duck is it's got even more fat. So yes. it doesn't go, the amount of, it doesn't dry, it you've, just you've, tenderizes. If you've,
0: never cooked duck before the amount of fat it um oh that comes out what's the fancy word for comes out that that renders renders, thank you (laughs) the amount of fat that renders is almost shocking you're like you are you're swimming in this stuff it's crazy save that stuff too i strain
2: all my 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 meat fats. Um, (laughs) So so after five
0: hours.
1: (laughs) Yeah. After five hours, um, you know, it's the, the skin is not crispy in the way that, you know, you, you would get from just searing it in, in a pan, like over, you know, medium high for 20 minutes or whatever. But it is like, it's rendered beautifully. It's kind of crispy. The skin is something that you absolutely want to tear into and eat. I was at Cosme a couple months back working on an upcoming story with Daniela Soto as the chef there, and they had just hotel pan after hotel pan, like the deep ones, the big ones, which is like a deep metal uh, tray that they use to make their duck carnitas in. Uh And it is just, those ducks are just swimming in fat and aromatics Uh and, you know, kind of oranges and all kinds of spices. And, um, you know, and I don't think it's so far a stretch to think of, you know, jerk spices, like kind of fitting with the holidays, you know, you've kind of got like rum, you've got allspice, you've got these warm spice notes, you know, and then you have like, you mix it up with a little bit of like heat and, um, you know, and soy sauce and everything. And, you know, it's just, it forms like this beautiful meat that holds up really well and, um... You can make like the most delicious kind of like tacos or yeah, wraps. Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about
0: how you serve it. So you, you've got this beautiful fall apart tender duck that says ready for the shredding. And then what do you do with it?
1: So I found that Serving it on a flour tortilla, almost as though it were kind of going to like somewhere between Mushu pork and like a taco, you know, like those kind of, you know, duck carnitas tacos that they do at Cosme. um, We're going from like Jamaica
0: to China (laughs) to Mexico and around the world. yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And, I, you know, just um, doing some finely shredded cabbage, um, some finely shredded kind of fresh ginger, chilies, scallions, um, all that, like a few squeezes of lime juice and other herbs like mint, um, cilantro, just so delicious. I mean, it's not, mm. you know, what you, the first thing you think of when you think of Christmas entertaining, but actually I think the flavors like really work but it and needs, it's super it's got fun. The,
2: you've you covered, you know, deep, rich, browned, fatty, warm, Spice, Bring heat, in the balance, and then you've you you know you need something on the crunchy crunchy fresh.
0: Are you looking for the word bracing?
2: Uh, yeah, I <laughs> even guess bracing. Um, even <laughs> bracing, and then I feel like you know if you wanted to do this on a Martin's roll, then like go for it. The the soft tortilla totally works. It's just like if you're standing around at a party, you need a way to get this thing into your face (laughs) without like just, you know, bringing the plate up, um, little cocktail size appetizer plate. So, you know, that to me is why it all works, even though it's not one thing or another, but like it all kind of comes together.
0: I think it makes total sense. As you said, that meat is so rich and fatty and crispy and delicious and having just like fresh ginger and like the little... Little like scallions cut in the bias, like you get when you get Peking duck and having yeah. the lime to squeeze on and the, and the cabbage and the fresh mint. It's just like it's so bright and fresh and it's such a perfect compliment. What do you drink
2: meat. with that? <laughs> That's a tough one. Some natty wine. Some, some, I something guess. with bubbles. Yeah. yeah
0: bubbles all the way uh, yeah, yeah. like a sort Ooh, of a, a beer a, would
2: be good actually
0: beer would be nice or a tart pet net you know sure. something fruity and, and fizzy great this guy with the natural one i know, you know i'm, I'm so gonna, so, gonna what, have what, another what,
1: keg
2: what
0: happened to me drank the kool-aid so hard <laughs> oh, good lord all right carla i'm gonna let you I, we said we weren't gonna talk about this great but we got we got a few more minutes okay your argument for not cooking anything at all when you have your sort of holiday day
2: i think it depends like so at our Christmas in, in the what's really in the Lolly family, um, we go really big for Christmas Eve. So we do Feast of Seven Fishes, oh, and we a, go- As featured
0: on the Appétit Foodcast last yep, year. Yeah, that
2: is correct. It's also my son's birthday. That's an it's insane
0: like, evening. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and look, whatever, December 2017- look for the Carl Lally music uh, <laughs> think, little treatise on the Feast of the Seven Fishes. I think it's throughout it's the insane. whole
2: thing, you kept saying, you don't do that. Yeah. And I was like, no, we do. We do the whole thing. But so it's my my son was born on Christmas Eve. We have Which like one? a whole, two. the older one. Uh, so it's like a whole sort of celebration of him during the day. And then at night, it's Feast of Seven Fishes. And the other day he asked me like, why does it go so late? And I was like, well, honey, it's because... No one comes over till eight PM. Like that's why it ends at two in the morning. All right. So, so wait, we go, Leo's
0: older now. Does he want to be fed it or is he like he, mom, stop so bothering we are, me?
2: Okay, this is a whole other story. But this year he's turning fifteen. Oh, boy. So we actually moved Feast of Seven Fishes to the twenty third. Oh. We are gonna celebrate Feast of Seven Fishes on the twenty third so that he can have a party where he doesn't have to hang out with like all the septuagenarians <laughs> yes, and his so, yeah, <laughs> exactly. family, who he loves, but it's like really just this not is that my much. birthday. <laughs> and then we're coming back in for Christmas Day, but it's great. Be- this is what we need because we that Christmas Eve celebration is really the main celebration. So Christmas Day, you have to just you got to take it easy, otherwise the holidays are just it, it just too much work. So for Christmas Day. Um, My mom hosts Christmas Eve and now I host Christmas Day and my approach to Christmas Day is buy the best of everything, set it out in a lovely array and let people just come and graze all day and just makes it really, really easy on the host.
0: So what do you set out?
2: Russ and Daughters, Which the is... greatest schmear known to man. For... Jewish appetizers, um, so bagel, lox, gaspe, Nova. Um, what is gaspe? Well, it's it's, Gaspé. A t- it's like a. It's a, just a type. I think it's Scottish. It's one of oh, the okay. types of cured fish. Um, whitefish salad, chubs. You know, cream cheese, two different kinds, like bialy, black bread. That whole situation. Ooh, Slicing onions, tomatoes, capers, like that deal. Yes, Do you Adam. Put
0: a. Toaster on the buffet table. People want to toast there.
2: No, I don't. And we've talked about this. And now I don't believe in toasting bagels anymore. But you have to toast fresh bialy. bagels.
0: You can't not toast mm, a bialy. The have to be in toasted. the oven
2: in the you kitchen. Don't do Emma
0: is looking aghast <laughs> at you.
2: At toast, not toasting bagels. Um, you know, if you pick them up if that day, fresh. if you, they're you fresh, you don't need, need to. And it's like a whole other thing. No. I'm
0: fine with not toasting the bagel. You have to toast.
2: Fine. You can go in the kitchen. There's a, okay. a lovely Breville toaster oven in there. Okay. <laughs> we'll be
0: waiting for Adam. Yeah.
2: Enjoy. And then I order, I already ordered my panettone from Roy, which Oprah wrote about this year, but I think Claire wrote about like three years ago. So you're welcome, Roy. It all worked out. Um, so I've got two giant panettone coming from Roy. Can, I'm you, going can you talk about
0: who Roy is?
2: So Roy is like a a crazy baker. He's in Northern California. His company is called From Roy. I don't what is Roy, Roy's who? last name. If you yeah. go online and search Panettone From Roy, and he is someone who has dedicated himself singularly to the craft of making the most incredible panettone, which most people will say that's not saying much because panettone is <laughs> a horrible thing. And if you've had most panettone, yes, I agree with you. But the way that he makes them, they are un- they defy gravity. They're so beautifully flavored. They're really, they're not cheap, but they are like 100% worth it. Ordered mine a couple of weeks ago, so it's coming. Um, his Instagram is really cool. Like the crazy size mixture he has. Dried
0: fruit or little bits of chocolate? In there? Uh,
2: but, uh, lots of varieties. He has like a pistachio one. He has a chocolate and orange one Mm -hmm. They're really special and delicious So I set out some of those And some fish eggs You know, gotta have some fish eggs So some black ones, some orange ones So if I do anything I might make blini Maybe
0: I will be in Buffalo on Christmas Day And there will be none of that yeah (laughs) just (laughs) whatever it is it's not gonna be all that even with
2: the even though i'm not cooking anything with like the setting it out and the plattering of it and the slicing you're you're still hosting yeah you're hosting hosting
0: is a job and you know what else you're doing carla what am i doing you're cleaning up afterwards like hosting is not i mean we talk about hosting we all like to host it's awesome but let's not ever pretend that it's not a lot of work yeah. and that it doesn't take it out of you.
2: Yep. So big bowls of clementines all over the table, lots of wine that you put outside so it's cold, people can go get their cold thing. You gotta toast, you know, to another year on earth and, and just let other people do all the crafting.
0: I need to get I need to get more holiday ish.
2: I know, but now I wanna make the the jerk Duck. So now I like, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not going to do that.
0: I got to call Simone's dad and we got to make a plan. (laughs) We got to make a plan because, like, yeah, I have some ambitions for Buffalo this year.
2: (laughs) You can definitely get your tenderloin up there.
0: (laughs) The strip loin, well, a tenderloin, we've done that before, although I've talked about this on the pod. I cooked it definitely not a degree above rare slash medium rare, and that did not go over so well at the table in Buffalo. There was lots of leftovers, but then that's what gave birth. To my stroganoff recipe right. that I did in the oh, magazine because right. we had so much leftover tenderloin the next day. Then I fried that up and then put in like the sour cream, the and, cream the yeah. and the mustard and then the mushrooms. And that was a huge hit with the buttered egg noodles. So the they wanted
2: night. more of a well done situation?
0: John, yeah. I, so there, <laughs> okay. well, I just, let's just move
2: on. <laughs> let's just move on. So,
0: yeah, we're not getting that, but yeah, that could be something else. Uh, but the party ready, po- por- the party ready pork Great. roast. That could be a hit up in Buffalo. Big time. Yeah.
2: It's it's really, it's it's got it's a, a lot approach. built in uh, appeal and like it really pays off. Mm,
0: God, I'm hungry. <laughs> to recap, you can find on com. you can find Party Ready Pork Roast. You can also find Roast Beef Tenderloin. With garlic and rosemary, and then in the December issue of Bon Appetit, uh, you got Chris's jerk sliced jerk spice duck, as well as your slow roast beef. Exactly, uh, guys! Thanks so much. God, can't wait for Christmas.
1: Super fun, cool. Thanks.
0: The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis
2: and Christina Che, and produced and edited by Emma Wortsman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wortsman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.